You're listening to Awakening with Rabbi Ami Silver on the Shefa Podcast Network. Join Rabbi Ami as he shares the wisdom of the Hasidic master, Rabbi Kolonimus Kalman Shapira of Piazetsna. Through the Piazetsna Rebbe's various works, Rabbi Ami guides us on a unique path of healing, transformation, and awakening to experiencing the divine that is steeped in the Jewish mystical tradition. something that came up in some of our last learnings together was this way of speaking about Da'at and Midot, about awareness and um, what do we call Midot? I don't know. <laughs> the uh, inner response system. Um, the emotional palate. Um, to, to view the, that relationship um, as a parent and a child. And uh, I actually, I think I mentioned that the, this is, as far as I can tell, this is rooted in the Zohar. I actually looked up um, one of the Korot there, where the Zohar talks about the word Bina. Right? Bina as being Yud, He, and Ben. And Yud and He being um, symbolic of Abba and Ima, of Kabbalistic father and mother um, Sources and, and, and Ben being the child that emerges from them. And then the Zohar goes even further and says that, but then there's something called Tvuna, Tvuna, which is uh, not only Tovana is an insight, but Tvuna is another kind of uh, understanding. And Tvuna is the Ben and the Bat. If you break up the word Tvuna, there's, there's Ben and there's Bat. And, um, and the Zohar basically, you know, in its poetic way speaks about the the birthing process, so to speak, of Yudenhe um, and Vavenhe, of, of um, layers of consciousness that birth layers of experience and then of, of action. Like mind, motion, action, kind of all encompassed in that. Um, and in particular, just to remind us, we saw the Rebbe speak about um, the parent, the vigilant parent, who has the uncontrollable child, right, as a uh, the non-ideal way that you know, not not the ideal, but the way that is maybe sometimes conventionally speaking, is like the conventional way of talking about how we deal with our midos from a religious perspective. Sometimes looks like that, and how dysfunctional that that model is. Um, Today and again, we're not gonna, we don't we're not going to harp or dwell specifically on this. But today we're going to we're going to look at. Uh, I'm, I'm sure some of you have seen what what's called the Inyan Hashkata, the Rebbe's uh, Hashkata practice, which involves a part, particular way of of developing particular midot, you know, the midot that we choose to focus on. Um, and there, the Rebbe also brings in kind of today this parent-child relationship, again, it's like one line in the entire paragraph, but to me, it's actually pointing to a certain kind of mode, um, and even it's a, so to speak, of uh, how we can approach these parts of ourselves. Um, I can even, I just want to speak out, just kind of as I'm thinking through these uh, these concepts, um, like what it, how we might understand this idea that, that our midot, like our emotional response system, is born from our um, awareness, our, our intellect, perhaps even. Um, so just these are just things that I'm chewing over. <laughs> so I'm happy to hear, like, you know, your your thoughts as well. That on some level, every experience we have is a it simply is. It's a neutral experience. There's no kind of value or even label attached to it. But we are wired to make sense and name and categorize all those experiences. And which is a form of judgment. Which is a form of judgment, discernment, it's discretion, it's it's an exercise of mind over what is otherwise maybe a sensory experience. 
Right? So I'm gonna our our, our mind is gonna is gonna start assigning names and describing values to what that feeling is. So the more as I you know I experienced it in this way, it was painful. Every time I experienced that same kind of sensation, my mind might already start not only calling it that, but affirming that each time that happens, this is a painful thing, a scary thing, something I want to avoid, what have you. you know, very much in the itadat kind of mode. Um, so in a sense, the midah, which is not necessarily the, the feeling in its pure state, but the, the way that that feeling, that experience is exists within me, within my particular kind of organization, so that midah is going to be the, going to develop with this kind of imposed set of values and, and names that I that my mind is, is exercising over it. Um, in that sense, the midah is birthed from the the mind. Yeah, the particular form of emotional experience is, is an outgrowth of, of a mind activity that kind of names it and, 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 and shapes it. Um, However, the parent's job is not only to give birth to a child, but also to nurture and help that child grow and develop and mature. And, uh, and, I, and I think that that is also where the approaching the Nida from a perhaps mature state of dot of awareness, and bringing that towards that Nida can, can also, and it's the same relationship where it's the same interaction where that midah can find its way to grow and to mature and to not be rigidly defined as one thing or in, the, in a particular state, but it can, it can also kind of expand and grow and develop in that same uh, relationship. For that to happen, there has to be a set of, there has to be a feeling of safety, there has to be a feeling of containment, of trust, right? I'll just also just give you know an example of something that happened yesterday, and uh, thank God it's like life is the is the laboratory and the script and the stage and all of you were in all these places. You know, I went to pick up my daughter from Ghana yesterday, and most days she's like happy to just like runs over to me and we go and whatever. And she didn't want to go because she was still working on her mask club, and like we have to go, and it was really you know a whole thing for 20 minutes. She was like crouched in the corner, like angrily not wanting to budge. And I could really see, I could notice myself like, okay, I'm, there's part of me that wants to just like, also this like angry five-year-old who wants to yell back, say, no, you're going, you're coming and fight, fight back. And uh, <laughs> thankfully I had enough presence of mind to be like, nope, there's the, you know, to see her, to have like a emotional compassion and empathy for where she was, and to have this mature awareness, more mature awareness of like, okay, like I need to be the one to create safety and a trust and a holding container here, and and I'm just gonna have to sit and sit it out, you know, see it through. But you know, it was not seamless. There's there's the the friction between those states. Yeah. Within you, you Within me and externally between me and her, you know. Um, okay, so that's like, uh, you know, that's an example of just of yesterday bringing these things to the fore. But, but for me, um, I have gained a lot uh, in, in terms of just having this framework of, you know, when something is when I'm experiencing some kind of emotional discomfort, of turning to it like a child, of seeing it, you know, turning to it as I would to just just kind of having an awareness of okay, there's like a child in me that's that needs something. Maybe it's like nervous, or maybe it's afraid, or maybe it's who knows what. But but to be able to just that itself like is, is a way that I've I've found is, is a helpful way for me to open up the. Um, that kind of inner dialogue that can give a little more room and, and development for those midot to kind of either grow up a little bit or just have a place of like, okay, now that you have this attention and you know that I'm here, we can do this.
part of what this is going to be focused on in the Rebbe's piece here is about a particular working, choosing a particular midah to work with and, and, and try to cultivate and develop. And I, I think it would be helpful, and we'll see as per the Rebbe's instructions, to choose something and stick with it for a while. So just kind of throw into the into the air here, is there something that is calling inside of you that you are wanting, that you are desiring? Um, again, not in terms of like, I wish I had like more money and I want a better job and not, not externally, not external things that we're hoping for, but a kind of inner place that's, that's wanting something more for itself. Um, so also just like share just because it's, it's coming up, you know, Miguel Esther is a story <coughs> of a child who is parented. Right? We have Esther and Mordechai. And just a very basic sense of like what happens in their story is that Esther loses her parents. Mordechai is Omen at Hadassah. He raises her as, he takes her and raises her as his child. And she goes to the palace and she continues to, it's a beautiful pasuk when she, she continues to live there. She continues to carry on, um, particularly there, it's not, not revealing where, she, where she's from, whatever, because he told her not to, but she stays loyal to that relationship of the adopted child who raised her. And and the key to the entire story of, the, of Yeshua that happens in that story is basically that Mordechai comes to her and he tells her a story of, you know, where she comes from and the opportunity to step into her story, make it her own, and not let it be lost. And like, voila, from there, you know, like, if you don't, if you don't, if you're sad at this point, you and your family, you and your family, you're, you're going to be lost. You're, that, that bond to your lineage and your heritage. And, and really, what Mordechai, the, the home that Mordechai cultivated for her, is going to be lost. So he's basically inviting her to reclaim her roots and, and live from the place that she comes from and carry that forward. Um, Yichlal Pesach, you know, we're not there yet, but Yichlal Pesach, the story of Shibud Mitzrayim is a story of a nation who comes to Egypt and has tons of children, and then a king who's threatened by all those children and tries to suppress the birth of children. And then this one child who makes it out and who comes back and redeems this nation and my firstborn child. And then the whole mitzvah of that chag is to tell your child a story. For just to, to come back to the immediate, we'll, we'll learn this piece from the Rebbe. It's printed in the towards the end of the Sefer Der HaMelech. And this is Mamash. So this is different than the rest. These aren't. This isn't something he wrote, as we'll see in a moment. Um, it's, something, it's a report that a student wrote about meeting with him, and um, it's really phenomenal and extremely unique to have a written account of very specific instructions. Some very specific instructions of how to engage in a certain kind of spiritual practice. Um, so let's read. בשנת תפרש צדי ועב וצדי זין. בעת שהייתי בחברות האחת עם ידידי האברך היקר, כמר סחר נחמן זווי, השם יקום דמו, זכינו בעזרת השם יפרח להיקרא, או לא, בעשר, זכינו בעשרת ימי תשובה, להיקרא אל הקודש פנימה בזכותו של האברך הנ"ל. So whoever wrote this is saying, I had a חברוסה, and in my חברוסה's honor, the Rebbe invited us into his room, into, into a meeting. Apparently the Rebbe was very pleased with our Chavruta. So when he called my Chavruta, I got called too. I don't know if this is extra humility that's being, uh, you know, it's behind this. The first time we met, I heard then this matter of, of quieting. But... 
too bad of, of what was lost. I don't remember the, it in its entirety. But everything that I can recall, I'm going to write down here to, as, a, as a reminder. The Rebbe began with the Gemara in Brachot that dream, a dream is like a 60th of, a, of prophecy. As is known, in, and he's explaining it as according to the Rebbe's general themes in his writings, that a person's sense of self is what, is what opposes or stands in the way of a inspiration from above. Now, I would tweak this by saying, again, this is somebody else's writing of the Rebbe's of reading, account of meeting the Rebbe, so I'm not sure like what you know, the full impact of what he means by it, but I think from what we've seen already together and what I've, I've certainly seen throughout the Rebbe's writing is it's not so simple. You're, you, the more that you are something, the less you can have inspiration from above or connection from God, but, but the, the way in which I conceive or perceive myself um, can either be that which blocks this kind of flow or communication from the divine through me, or can be the gateway through which God, right? Because we've seen so, so much that the self is the self and the experience within us is the place where God communicates through us. So it's not simply stated the classic sense of like, yes, if you, if you are something, you can't connect with God. But no, the, the, the way in which the way in which a a self, the self-perception can be can be that which stands in the way, and also it will be the ground through which we can access. Yes, it's the door. So the door can be open and closed, you know, to different degrees. I would just say maybe very simply, it's a sense of self that's separate from God. V'indato umach shvotav erim. So maybe went on, right? Because what is he trying to explain? What does it mean that a dream is like a sixtieth of prophecy that it shares? a glimmer of prophecy. If a person's awareness and their thoughts are completely awake, if I'm completely alert, my mind is awake, my thoughts are flowing, it's, it's hard for there to be some kind of it doesn't just mean like inspiration. It means receiving something from above, receiving some kind of prophetic type of awareness. But when a person is asleep and their thoughts and their mind is quieted, as dafka, specifically then, because I am not controlling my mind and my thought patterns. So specifically then, that's when a person can receive something from beyond. That's what Chazal means, that a dream is a 60th of prophecy. I mean, it participates in some minute way in a prophetic kind of experience. So the Rabbi explained this in, in another way as well, which is, why is it that tefillah, prayer, is a much more is an experience of awakening and spiritual arousal, much more than learning. When I'm when in learning, there's much more of my self being imposed on the experience. I'm learning, I'm understanding, I'm trying to figure it out. It's like I'm using my own tools of analysis to, to try to unpack what's happening. It, it's harder to hear and to receive some kind of like godly wake up in there. Whereas in tefillah, in tefillah, all I'm trying to do is open myself to God. All I'm trying to do is open myself. I think we learned a piece last year together where he talked about tefillah and tefillah and, and, and fleshed out this idea much more. But when I'm asleep, there's nothing I can... I'm wanting, really. I'm not seeking anything. Hello, Yashenhu. I'm just asleep. And therefore, 
בית שאפשר לא לרצות במצב של שינה. So therefore, the main goal here is to arrive when I'm awake. At a time when I do have the capacity of ratzon, of willing, of wanting, choosing something, desiring, to, to arrive in a matzav shoshena, to be in a state that's sleep-like. While I'm awake and can exercise will, can arouse will and desire, but also be in a sleep-like kind of state, as far as my consciousness goes. Hainu bahashkatat machshvotav, meaning the quieting of my thoughts. Uritzonotav hashotfim livlikets, and the, the desires and thoughts that are that flood me at every moment. Right? In waking state, my mind and consciousness is flooded, inundated always with thoughts and desires. That is the waking kind of thoughts and desires. In a lot of the Rabbi's other writings, he talks about how a lot of that is, is merely influenced on us from external forces, or it's coming from this, you know, in our words, it's like kind of just survivalist instinct of trying to figure out, make my way, this is my world, this is how I'm trying to make things work. Everything, all of that stuff, that clutter and that flood of thoughts, the stream, the shetef is a stream of thoughts and, and, and it's so not, it's very hard to access something godly and something from, from beyond, to communicate with something from beyond in that. The sleep state puts that to rest makes us available to something, to contact with something from beyond ourselves. So can we somehow find a way that our mind and our consciousness can be available like that sleep state while we are awake so that we can also bring and arouse the sense of will and desiring something um, that we can want. Because this is how thought works. One thought gets entangled up in the next one. It's incredibly difficult for a person to separate themselves from them. As I once was merited to hear from the Rabbi, if a person were to simply observe their thoughts that flow through them, even in a single day, they say that there's there's not really any difference between me and an insane person. An insane person is somebody who actually acts upon all those thoughts. But we just compare our, our, our thoughts that, that flow through us in a given day, my thoughts and those of a crazy person are, are just the same. The Rebbe then gave practical advice and guidance of how to quiet thoughts. By the way, just kind of as an, as an aside, in a, I was learning uh, in the Rebbe's Jerashat, in Parshat Bereshit yesterday, he says, uh, uh, he's speaking about ways of, of um, approaching tefillah. And, and he quotes that Mishnah, that the Hasidim Rishonim would, would pause, would take an hour of pause before the daven. And, and he, he says they're very, almost the same language. If the person were to pause and, and just kind of pause for one moment, the flow, the shetef of thoughts and, and, and desires that flow through us. So there it's a, it's a different phrase. And he says that the, the divine core that rests behind or beneath our consciousness and our, our, our experience would appear to us, would be available to us without the clothing of all the, the things of the world that we attach, you know, label and, and meaning to. But in a sense, we have such thing as a, an awareness within us that is a, 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 not only given by God, but is a godly portion there's a godly quality to it. And yet, as people living in the world, we use that awareness to 
navigate the world. And so basically just we, we dress up every piece of our awareness in, a, in very particular forms and, and um, limit it greatly because of that. And so everybody's talking about how to return to the core of awareness itself. So here's the Rebbe then speaking to the student. Person should should observe, should watch their thoughts for some period of time. For a few moments. I believe this is this is actually the Rebbe's instructions. It's not just a description, but. Uh, to embody the perspective of Ma Ani Choshev. Right, that question Ma, to, to observe my thoughts as from a perspective of Ma. Not an inquisitive, analytical, well, what is that thought? But an open, what, open myself to the what. What is? And, and, and to simply observe and watch the thoughts that are there. If a person sits in that place of Ma and Choshev, they will feel then, bit by bit, that their their mind empties out. And, and the thoughts can stop their regular stream. And then, right, that's stage one. Stage one is getting to a place of quieting, Perhaps some kind of like stillness or just an empty, empty mind, so to speak. And then the Rebbe said to begin to say a, a simple one pasuk, one pasuk, like Hashem Elokim Emet. This is a very simple and direct statement. What is the purpose of this? To now attach and connect my mind, which is now empty of those other thoughts, to a single awareness of holiness. Right? It's like, ah, oh, I finally have a mind that's open and available. What am I going to do with it? <laughs> the holy mantra. Right, it's a mantra. It's a mantra to, once the mind is open and, and a bit quieted, now let's color it. Let's bring it to the context that we are hoping to connect to. Right? We're, I've, in a sense, taken it from its context of stream of consciousness thoughts that are just inundated from my, my regular worldly context. And now that I've quieted it, so now let's connect it to something godly, explicitly. Okay, that's stage two. It could be that also... The way you've talked about Mani Choshev, that's also kind of mantra. Mm-hmm. Another mantra. Right, but rather than it being the thing to focus on, it's right. actually the, it's initial... the way of the way of, of quieting down and slowing down the system. Yeah. Then, once my consciousness is now in a holy context, yeah, I mean, in a, in a, in a, in a, have an awareness of, of God now. So then, I can begin to ask for that, for those needs. In whatever, whichever particular midah, whichever particular quality or part of myself that I want to um, improve, I want to develop, to bring so he's saying in particularly, he's saying in the realm of Avodat Hashem, whether that's strengthening my muna, strengthening faith, um, stronger love or awe. So the student now saying, I, I merited to hear from the Rebbe then the way that he would practice Hashkata when it came to strengthening muna. And he said in his holy words, How's my pronunciation? Excellent. You even threw in some Polish. Oh, that's the only one I know. Einziger. 
Can you read the next line for us? And as and as it is not not just a in the ganze Welt is out what it is there in here is is no in Hebrew, I believe with, with complete faith, the Creator is the only existence, the only thing in the, in the whole, in all of the universe. There's no reality other than God. The entire universe, the entire world, and everything that's within it is nothing other than a glimmer and a light of God. And he repeated this a number of times. So notice, what did the Rebbe do? The Rebbe said it in Yiddish, in his own words. Yeah, the Bakashat Tzrachav here is not a formalistic, um, you know, please, your highness, <laughs> etc. It's a, it's, an, it's a flowing speech. That's just an, an emerging and in the simple words that the, the inner language, the native tongue. I sometimes think to myself, what is it like to pray in my mother tongue? What is my mother tongue? What is that mode of expression? I'm not just talking about language. You know, what is my, my native expression? Can I find a way to speak to God in that, in that, from that place? So the Rebbe said these very simple, you know, two sentences of what he's wanting. Not only what he's wanting, he actually states the goal. He's not saying, I want to believe. He's saying, I believe that there's nothing in the world other than God. And that God, he's, he's in a sense, in this example, already speaking from the place of where he wants to go, where he wants to be. You know what I'm saying? He's not saying, I would like to have something. He's speaking from the place of being there. And he repeated that a number of times. Avolo, this is part that just so beautiful. Lo shiomar zot bechazka, but not to say these words forcefully. There is only one God, and I know that. This, not to say it forcefully. The entire essence of what this is about is quieting my thinking. And if, I, if I'm speaking it with this kind of forcefulness, what it, what it will do is to once again just kind of reawaken that me. That is the, the, the sense of me that's been standing in the way of, of reaching the, these parts. I, I want to speak from that place where I'm still in the quiet mind. I'm still in that inner space that is open and available to contacting Connecting with God, and it's it's that that ratzon, that desire, is just simply expressing itself from that place, and not from the imposing, forceful "I want." Rak but often in a very very gentle, and simple, flowing way. The student says, "I also merited to hear him explain this through the example of love." Ichwald gewalt seiner Zoe. Help me out. Nant? Nant. zum Heiligen Boschefer. Boschefer. Ichwald gewalt vielen Hiskarvus zum Größen Boschefer. It's a typo, huh? Boschefer. That's what it says here. karov la shemi brach. I really, I, I, I have such a desire to be close to God. In, in the Yiddish, it's. It's like I, it doesn't exist in Hebrew, but in English, it's I would like to. I would have either I would like to, or say. I would have liked to. Uh-huh. I want to feel. I, I very much. I have a strong desire to feel closeness to the great Creator. So here he is. You know, here he is speaking from the Ratz. He's actually expressing Ratzon as well, right? It's not just, I am at the place of. He's not saying, God, I'm so in love with you. With every father. No, he's saying, I, I have such a deep desire to be close to you. So long to feel, to feel your closeness. And, and that's also a beautiful thing. The, the student says, this is inyan ahava, love. 
And the Rebbe doesn't use the word love here, right? The Rebbe is talking about closeness, desire for closeness. So again, it's also showing what is the, you know, how do I express my words, my desire, my longing? Not like, oh, I know it's a good thing to have fear of God. Okay, if God, I want to have fear of you. Even love here. The Rebbe is speaking, yes, we can understand why this is part of love, but, but what does my desire for love of God feel like within me? Yeah? It's not a mirror, just that word love doesn't necessarily express that. And he said then that this quieting practice can be used for bringing tikkun, for developing all of the midot gruot, any of the um, weak or really parts of myself that are in disrepair, my midot are in disrepair. However, it must not be in a negative way. It's only through a positive way. He's going to explain more of this. In, in expressing the desire of the opposite of the midara'a. Meaning if I identify a, a midara'a in me, a part of me that's really not doing well, it's not good, it's not in a healthy place, I don't sit there saying, I don't want to be this way anymore. I don't want to have this thing going on. It's really bad that I'm like, no. It's always the expression is in the is in the op- is in the what it is that I do want, what it is that I do long for and desire. Kigon, he says, for example, somebody who's plagued with the trait of laziness, their procrastination. Who knows? You know, they can't get themselves to do, to be, to act. They should not speak in the savoda about distancing themselves from. Inactivity from laziness. Rakbinyan kniyat has results. Rather, they should speak about acquiring and embodying that midav's result that they're desiring of, of, of yes, acting and moving and being in the ways that they want. These birzot, and he explained this. He gave the example here, and this is where I, this is what I was referring to before of that relating to the midot as a, like a parent to a child. What you see with a child, with a baby who's crying, a young child is crying. If you keep telling the child, "Don't cry, stop crying," it's going to keep crying more. You hear that? So when it comes to self care. Caring for the, the midot within us. If I'm telling it, stop doing that bad thing you're doing, it's going to put up a fight. <laughs> it's going to put up a fight. Yeah? It's, hmm. mamash, we're, we're working on it, not suppressing things. We're working on gr- growing, nurturing, and developing. Which is mamash what we saw in Achshat Avrechim a couple of weeks ago, where the Rebbe talked about people whose entire life, all they knew how to do was to stop themselves from doing the things they, they didn't want to be doing. But they never learned to cultivate the positive, um, expansive emotional experience of, um, of a holy relationship with God. Right? So here too, when I want to develop my midah, like, and again, it's this. In a sense, it's, it's because we're not talking about excising certain parts of ourselves either. We're talking about helping the unripe, immature part grow into a more mature place. You know, I just saw this, um, I didn't even read the article so much in depth, but I saw a, uh, what was it? I think it was like this. Some kind of either, some kind of scientist or psychologist who wrote about um, procrastination. As you're saying, I've seen people procrastinating by, with all sorts of things. And i got to tell you, it's not laziness. Procrastination is not laziness. It's hard work. <laughs> <laughs> it's an art form. <laughs> but there are, there are, in a sense, the, the thing that expresses itself as a procrastination within me, it's a... It's an inverted form of my, my creative ability. 
you know, it's just whatever it is that I'm struggling with in my creative process, that is what, so that is what's causing me to, to act in this way, which is counterproductive to the creative or generative productivity that I'm hoping for. But it's not because there's this foreign, you know, this alien um, force called procrastination and distraction. No, the, the, the creative process is, is, is encountering difficulties. And so it's being veered into these other behaviors. So, so here, like my midot ra'ot, they're not, I'm not asking to turn into somebody else or something else. I'm, I'm, I'm asking and seeking to cultivate the part of me that has not yet found an expression. And the way to do that, the Rebbe is saying, is by, in a sense, beginning to allow for that yearning and longing to be expressed within me, or to even speak from that place, if I can contact it, of where I would like to, what I would like to embody much more than that. Okay, so he gives another example here, which is interesting. It's not something that personally I, I really uh, have succeeded in, in uh, connecting with. But it says, So, you know, maybe similarly in, in meditative practice, there are those who, for whom it's easier with looking inwardly, there are those who are, it's easier to find an object to focus on, to, to help quiet the, the thought here. So the Rebbe says you can also stare at the small hand of a clock. Shekimat enozaz meshachayizazman. For a period of time, you can watch it and it barely moves. Kigamze mashkit ritzonav mashkotav. This too can be used as a tool to quiet. Again, that flood, that flow, the river, the torrent of thoughts and, and ritzonav that, that flow through our, our conscious minds when we're awake. But again, that's merely the first stage. Right, the Rebbe gave here three steps of the first stage is quieting. Ma'ani chashev, letting the uh, flow of thoughts come to a place of stillness. Second stage is um, enveloping ourselves in a godly awareness. Pasuk Yibra was Hashem Elokim Emet. You know, so there's other things. Hashem Echad, Hashem Echad, Hashem Echad, Hashem. Who knows? Like you can, you can, you know go longer or shorter with that. The third part was to let the bakashat tzrachav, that particular mida, express its longing. Ula'achar hashkata, and after being in this state of hashkata, shezetzerich la'avila eizamina sharami marom, that the Rebbe says is meant to bring us into contact with receiving something from beyond ourselves, from above. Siva Lomar HaPasuk, he directed us, commanded us to say the Pasuk, Horeni Hashem Darkecha, Benigunu HaMiuchad Shalad Mor, to sing the Pasuk, God, show me your path in the Rebbe's special Negron that he composed for those words. It's also just beautiful to me that he gives it. It's like, this is mine. You know, sing my nigun at the end. My hmm. nigun to those words. It was clear, like this avodah, he, he put his personal uh, stamp on it. Yeah. Could have said, sing a song that you like, you know, sing a nigun. But no, sing the Horin Yashem in my nigun. Kamanaim vinora biyachad. How pleasant and awestruck, awestruck we were together in this moment. The, the vision that I merited to see and to hear in the merit of my friends, my chavuta. So then the Rebbe then spoke about this in, in um, you know, on and on. He said he is certain, he is confident that it will be extremely helpful. He said, for example, this union of, of Emunah, after practicing Ashkata for a number of weeks, okay, the Rebbe advised them to practice one Midah Emunah for weeks on end, a couple, number of weeks. That when we say it, this is my God and I will praise the beautify God, it will be, as the Midrash explains, um, each person pointing, like having a, a real vision and, and with full 
um, a fully experienced presence of, of that emunah and, and manifestation of that. The first time we went in, we couldn't really even begin to understand what the Rebbe was talking after a period of time, Hashem helped us and gave us the merit to hear it more expansive, more clearly, with more explanation. The Rebbe was very um, adamant about us practicing this. Where the Savoda how, what it looks like is when I come out of it, I'm asking for guidance. I don't know, you know, it's not like I achieved anything. It's, it's with this full awareness of I go into this state, I, I, I ask, I express, I long, and when I come out of it, I'm still asking. What I'm asking is, is okay, I know what I want, show me the path. Because I don't know the path. Don't know the path. Dafka, this pasuk, the Rebbe incorporates in a lot of his teachings, in a lot of different places it comes up. It's, it seems that uh, there's a constant asking, like, show me the path, show me the way. Mm-hmm. All I know is where I am now and what I want. I don't know the way. You know the way. In a sense, it offers continuity for coming out of this and, and where, I'm, where I'm going from here. It's a real affirmation, like you said, the final stage, the culmination. Is it clarity about what we don't know? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. So that, that's, that's the goal. Right. Well, that, that we come out with like, now I know what I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> now, now I'm really clear about right. what I'm seeking. Uh-huh. I'm much more strongly connected to it. And it's, right. it's very affirming to be able to, to feel like, yes, Avodah, in, the path of Avodah is walking, is identifying the unknown path and walking on that path. Not, you know, Sticking to my laurels and knowing what I achieved, and just kind of staying in the safety zone. I need to be shown. I need to be shown. Hareini, hareini. I see. Also, just in general, part of the way the Rebbe talks about the quieting and then the kind of reframing. Because you know, it's not like we quiet and then we abandon consciousness. No. We quiet in order, in a sense, to bring a certain part of consciousness to a still point, to a pause, and enter into another state of consciousness, which is perhaps maybe even at the core or more at the base of that more conventional normative day-to-day consciousness, but it's in order to contact that deeper place of consciousness that's connected to God, we need to first quiet the consciousness that's flooded with with what it's flooded with. And when I go there, and then I, I kind of re-enter, I, I, I bring in, I bring myself back towards that connection to, to the divine. And from that place, you know, the things that I'm wanting do have a... a it's, not, it's not to say get rid of Ratzon. The whole point here is how do I distill my experience so that my ratzon can be aroused in a place where it's going to touch something godly, not be merely another voice in that, you know, constant, constant flood of, of voices in ratzon al-tamashallah. But how do I quiet that one and then bring myself to the place where the deeper ratzon can express itself to God? So just opening, it's like opening up a little Kodesh Kodeshim, a little Mishkan where, the, where that can be heard. Okay. Um, I'd like with the rest of the time we have here to, to work with us a bit. Um, I'm going to do my best to guide us through Rebbe's Avodah as he says it, and uh, I might add it here and there a tweak just kind of giving it some shape and form, and, and as always, choose what you need to do at any given moment. Um, and to just remind us that the stages, you know, get into a place of quieting, stage one, and that place to repeat. And you can do this internally, just look at the pasuk, 
Hashem Elokim Emet. I'm gonna I'm gonna suggest the Rebbe's words, and, and you can use something else if that's what speaks to you. Um, but again, something to bring the open awareness and to connect it with God. And, um, and then from that place to let, to let ourselves express, ask, speak. Again, internally, this, I don't think we need to say words. You can whisper words. You can um, let your inside speak inside yourself. And, uh, and at the close, we'll come out of it through the Rebbe's Nigun, which is really a prayer. Please, God, show me your path. Um, I walk in your truth. Unify my heart to be there of your name. And again, as for the Rebbe's encouragement, that's what Hashem we can, this is something we can do. We have two weeks to perform. Maybe we can we can continue with this uh, in between our meetings and let uh, this be something we can build. So to start, I'm just going to invite us to take a couple of full breaths. Come into presence. Again, with the observation that the Rebbe speaks of Habata, to watch the flow of thoughts and experience. Ma Kosha. Ma. Not attempting to control it, just stand in question. Mind slowing down, thoughts slowing down. You notice it picking up again. Keep returning to that question as well. Turn to the noticer. Be there in the center. Feel that you've entered into a certain quiet place. Bring to mind the words Hashem, Rukim, and to just see the name of God, live, live by the name. Hashem, Rukim, and Encompassing
Many of these recordings are from Rabbi Ami's ongoing weekly classes given at Yeshivat Sharei Shalom in Jerusalem. For more information, go to shalom.org.il forward slash about. This podcast is supported in part from a grant from the Hadar Institute. The music is by Rav Daniel Kohn. The audio engineer is David Kwan. For more from the Shefa Podcast Network, visit our Facebook page and please subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts.